Ah, and we are live. Welcome back to Takes by Fans. We got a great show for you today. As always, we are live every single day at noon Eastern. If you want to watch live, head over to twitch.tv slash Takes by Fans. If you want to watch but not live, head over to our YouTube channel, Takes by Fans. We post all of our shows and clips of the show there on a daily basis. And if you just want to listen, we are on podcasting apps, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio. So, However you want to watch or listen, we've got you covered multiple ways. Alrighty, folks. Today is the day. Well, first of all, today is a big old Sunday, and we all know why it's a big old Sunday. Right, folks? Yes. Round two of the NBA playoffs kicking off today with the best series in round two. They had the, well, did they? They ha- I guess they did. They did have the best series coming uh, in round one. It only went four games, but it was still a good series overall. I mean, all four of those games were good to watch. It's not like they were blowouts. You know, Kevin Rant, you know, he didn't have many great games, but he still, you know, was having great shots. I mean, Kevin Rant didn't go totally ghost mode in that series. Still hit big-time shots, just couldn't clutch it up. Kyrie Irving had, what, two good games? One really good game, another solid game, everything like that. Overall, we did get to watch the Celtics for four games, and that was great. Got to see him win at home, got to see him win on the road and all that. So, yeah, one of the better series. Grizzlies-Pelicans was also pretty entertaining. Pelicans taking two games, give them some respect. But, man, oh, man, this is the series, folks. Bucks at, Bucks at Celtics. Yes, and y'all know why. Because the Bucks dodged, folks. They dodged the Nets. Oh, my goodness. Folks, so much to talk about. We'll try to save a little bit of that um, because we'll go into it, folks. We're, we're going to go into it because we got to break down the two games on today. And once again, folks, the golden era of NBA playoffs has un- unfortunately ran out. Now we're only looking at kind of two games on every single day, maybe one here, one there, and all that. So no more three game days, no more four game days, and all that came to a close, and it is truly unfortunate. But we've got to embrace what we have now, and that's Celtics and Bucks, folks. Game one tipping off at 1 p.m. Eastern, so we're only going to do an hour on the show, and then we're out of here because y'all know we can't miss that series, folks. We've been waiting for the series for months on and months. We already knew in the regular season that the Celtics and Bucks would face at some point in the playoffs, and now the time starts today, 1 p.m. Eastern. Tip-off time. Bucks at the Celtics. Bucks a little shorthanded. No Chris Middleton. Hmm. We're going with the Celtics, folks. Well, we already went with the Celtics in the series. Uh, Celtics winning it all. Um, but uh, let's uh, let's save that a little bit more when we break down the game. So let's get it here, folks. Let's get kind of real re-reeled in here. We're going off on that Celtics because y'all know we cannot wait for that. But today on the show, we are previewing the two NBA playoff games today. We'll talk those through. No games to talk about because there were no games on last night. Truly unfortunate, but uh, that should be no more. I'm pretty sure all this week, two games on every single day. Two games on today, two games Monday, two games Tuesday, two games Wednesday, two games Friday. Oh, no Thursday. They skipped over Thursday. Ugh. Ugh. So no games on Thursday today, folks. But that's the only day that we have to worry about. No games on Thursday. Thursday this week, but all the other days, we're rocking with two games, so I guess that's good, it's good enough, it's not great, but it will have to do. So, breaking down the games today, making our bets, making our selections, talking it all through, and then in the NFL, we got to wrap up our draft talk, um, only on rounds one through three, four through seven wrapped up yesterday, do we care, did, did y'all watch it, did y'all watch it, did y'all watch it? Man, do we care? It's four through seven, folks. So, yeah, okay, maybe some gold, and when that gold strikes, then we'll talk about it. But and maybe we can fill some time here and there in the rest of this offseason. We still got about four months, four or five months until we truly get into the swing of the NFL season. So maybe we can revisit four through seven, but we're really just kind of focusing on rounds one through three, and we still got 14 teams to kind of quickly talk through and talk over. So we're looking to get that done today on the show as well. 
and then some stories to go along with that. So let's kick off the show here. We're going to start in the NBA and then transition to the NFL. So let's get it started here. And once again, no games to talk about from last night. So let's get right into the betting, right, folks? Let's get it. Here we go. Two games on and she, 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 she. I'm real interested. We got the first game up here, Bucks at the Celtics, and I'm real interested to see what this line is. No Chris Middleton for the Bucks for really this entire season. He's not really expected to make a return this series. If he does return this series or this season, it would be next series at minimum. That's what I'm hearing over here. So how much is Vegas going to factor that into account? We saw the Bucks win every single every single game without. Chris Middleton and kind of looked solid while doing so. We see Bobby Portis filling in at the three and now we get the Celtics with only two good bigs, Al Horford and Robert Williams versus the three great bigs on the Bucks of um Brooke Lopez, Giannis, and Bobby Portis. And then they still have Serge Ibaka off the bench if they decide to use him. So the Celtics may not match up great against the Bigs, but it also may present a mismatch of Jason Tatum, uh, of, uh, of Bobby Portis guarding Jason Tatum. That may be a mismatch that may be exploited. So we'll see what the lineups are going to be and all that. But let's get down to the spread first and see which way we're going to be betting today. So here we go. Game one today. Bucks at, at, I want that to be a little bit more, more highlighted in the national media, please, Sell, uh, Bucks at Celtics, at, because they're the higher seed, yes, yes, let's give the Celtics a little bit more of that respect, I think they deserve it a little bit, a lot bit more, but I'll settle on just a little bit more from y'all, so, Bucks at the Celtics, Bucks in Boston, however you want to phrase it, I'm cool with it. Bucks at Celtics, and wow, 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 look at that spread. Bucks plus five. Wow, that is respect. Bucks plus five, Celtics minus five. That is absolutely extraordinary respect here by Vegas making the Celtics minus five were the Celtics like minus five at all through that net series I is this the highest spread by the Celtics this entire playoffs already let me quickly double check it here I think I can quickly bring it up so here we go game one Celtics at home Celtics were minus four for game one. Oh, and it's going down oh it's going down we're getting better value we may have to lock this in right now folks we're gonna quickly lock this in Celtics minus four and a half here because it just went down half a point. Fantastic. Y'all are taking the bucks with the points. And so is Colin Coward, folks. So watch out for the brainwashing against the Celtics now. The brainwashing was on the Nets. And remember, Colin, remember that one time. I'm not going to let him live it down. He bet uh, he betted up to Nets plus seven. Remember, he had to take extra points while going so hard on saying how good the Nets are. But he still needed like three extra points to bet him plus seven. That's what we're talking about with brainwashing. And Colin might be right back at it here. He's taking the Bucks plus four and a half here, folks. FanDuel looks like they had the spread at four and a half. Maybe this one's been fluctuating between four and a half, five uh, for the last few days here. But we are getting it right here at Celtics minus four and a half. I think we got to lock this in now. But this is what we're saying, folks. Game one against the Nets, it was Celtics minus four. Game two against the Nets, it was Celtics minus three. Game four in Brooklyn, it was Celtics. No, it was Brooklyn minus four. I can't believe these spreads, folks. I cannot believe these. These were all so disrespectful. And then the final game, game four, it was still Nets minus one and a half. This is the biggest spread, the biggest spread of the entire playoffs for the Celtics here. This is respect by Vegas. Why didn't they give the Celtics minus five when everybody was talking and hyping up the Nets of being so gosh dang good? So what does that tell us about the Bucks. They're really not that great. Yeah. Is that what this spread is telling us? Vegas is like they don't have a lot of faith on the Bucks team without Chris Middleton. 
Is that what the spread is trying to tell us, folks? I think that's what I'm kind of reading into it, yeah? I'm loving the Celtics minus four and a half here, folks, and that's the direction we are heading today in this game and overall for the series. We're betting on the Celtics, folks. Once again, we change our initial prediction of who's going to win the championship. At the start of the playoffs, we said Bucks against the Suns, and we said the Bucks would win, but now that we've got the Celtics in the Bucks, and we saw how round one played out, we're officially switching it to betting on the Celtics winning the series and then going on and winning the entire chip, folks. We are now on the Celtics 100%. We still love the Bucs. I still love Giannis. I will still gush over the Bucs and would love to see the Bucs still succeed. But I'm betting and I'm looking at the Celtics team and I'm like, yeah, that's where I want my money and that's where I want my mouth, folks. I want my, I want my mouth on the Celtics, folks, okay? I want these words that are going to be coming out of my mouth that have been coming out of my mouth for the last two years here on the show. I'm loving the Celtics. My money, my word, my voice, my mouth. It's on the Celtics, folks. Loving it. Let's check the ins and outs here quickly. We're still loving the Celtics minus four and a half. Let's see if uh, any of these ins and outs change our mind. I don't think they will. But here we go. For the Bucs, we get Chris Middleton out and George Hill is also out. But we're really not concerned with George Hill. For the Celtics, everybody's good to go. And look at this, folks. Look at this. Are y'all ready for this? Because now we know the starting lineup for the Celtics. And yeah, yeah, Celtics will start. Marcus Smart, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Al Horford. And y'all know who's going to be playing the five? Who came back in game three against the Nats? No more Daniel Tice in the starting lineup. Thank goodness. Robert Williams starting at the five. How great is that? We don't have Daniel Tice in the starting lineup anymore, which is definitely going to be great because we just told y'all the Bucks have three bigs. The Bucks are going to be starting Drew Holiday, Wesley Matthews, Giannis, Bobby Portis and Brooke Lopez. So three big still out there. But Bobby Portis is playing the three, folks, against Jason Tatum. I think that's going to be a big mismatch that Jason Tatum may be able to exploit. We know Bobby Portis is tall and long, but he's not quick. He's, a, he's still a little bit of a big, a forward. Jason Tatum going to be able to go around him quickly. Yeah, is Bobby Portis going to be able to close out the three-point? It's going to be interesting, folks. This game one is truly going to set the tone for the entire series. But once again, we're betting the Celtics minus four and a half, folks. Can I get a mother-loving Celtics, folks? Yes, let me hear it. Celtics, give it to me. Yeah, yeah, I'm loving the seas, baby. I bleed green. I'm taking the Celtics minus four and a half, folks. Once again, Jason Tatum, superstar. Jalen Brown's fantastic. Marcus Mart is is Marcus Mart the best point guard left in the C, uh, in the playoffs? No, but he's still very, very good, folks. And this man has been getting better every single year, every single game. Y'all can go back, folks. This is our second full, uh, our third. We started in the bubble. This is our third NBA season that we have covered. And you can go back. Everything's archived, folks. YouTube, takes by fans. All of our shows are there. The last two years, we were not big on Marcus Smart, folks. We really didn't like him. We really didn't love him. And we really didn't like him folks but he's just gotten better and better and we've seen we've seen the growth folks we were never buying into Marcus Mart we weren't even really buying into Marcus Mart a hundred percent at the beginning of the season but man oh man I'm two months into the season a month and a half into the season we've truly seen this man grow and get better and better and better and better and better like tenfold folks I'm telling y'all Marcus Mart is it a one tier one a1 tier 1 I think I'm just going to go tier 1. I don't know if I can go A1 tier 1. You know, A1 tier 1's the best of the tier 1s, folks, okay? Steph Curry 
Who else do we got? Uh, Kyrie Irving, purely, purely performance-wise, no leadership or anything like that. Um, so Marcus Smart, he definitely can be A1 Tier 1, but I think we'll leave him at Tier 1 so far, and we'll see what he does in this playoff series to see if we can upgrade him. He gets to the Eastern Conference Finals, he gets to the Finals, absolutely A1 Tier 1. Wins the Finals, absolutely A1 Tier 1. But we'll see how he does the series. I'm betting on the A1 Tier 1 um, designation, absolutely, but let's see what he does this series. I'm loving the Celtics, folks. The defense, the coaching, the leadership. They're not that deep. They're still not that deep. Still only going to have really Derek White. We'll see what we get out of Peyton Pritchard in this series. And Daniel Tice is still going to have to give us something off the bench because he is the only big left in the series. And once again, the Bucks are four deep, so Daniel Tice is still going to have to give us some sort of good production, but at least it's not starting level of production. So, you know, his uh, overall... His overall game doesn't have to be great this year. It just has to be solid. Doesn't even have to be really good. It just has to be solid. So we'll see if he can live up to that. So Bucks with no Chris Middleton. Grayson Allen's been really, really great off the bench for the Bucks, and we'll see if Derek White and Peyton Pritchard can kind of match that level of production because we know Grayson Allen can go for like 20-plus off the bench any given night. That is in his kind of repertoire, the three-point shooting. So Peyton Pritchard, Derek White, definitely going to have to match that if the Celtics want to win this series so it's gonna be great folks this is the one to watch there's a lot of well, all of these kind of second rounders are really really great folks we got warriors grizzlies coming up at 3 30 today as well uh the other two matchups we've got 76ers at the heat tipping off tomorrow and mav suns also tipping off tomorrow and those are gonna be great series as well but man oh man something about the green versus the green the bucks versus the celtics milwaukee versus the irish defending champions versus the up and coming new kids on the block folks and once again i'm going with the irish green betting the celtics minus four and a half today folks i am loving the celtics here folks y'all know we've been loving the celtics all year long deservedly so deservedly so folks celtics minus four and a half folks loving it rocking with it betting it calling it celtics in seven they've got the home court folks every team in the four matchups of the regular season between the Bucks and the Celtics, all four games went to the home court team. Celtics will have home court advantage. We're going Celtics in seven, folks. Yes, obviously, Bucks and Giannis are going to be competitive. There's no way this is going to be a blowout for the Celtics. And if it is, wow, 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 everybody else should watch out and maybe just kind of give up now because the Celtics will win the ring, hands down, no debate. But this is still going to be a competitive series, folks. Um, Giannis is still going to get it done. Giannis will have wild performances. Giannis will take over games here, stretches, all of that. Bucks will have leads in the series all of that but at the end of the day the Celtics can close out the Celtics can clamp down defensively Jason Tatum already got some great some great kind of uh experience behind him locking up Kevin Durant already this series where the Bucks what do they have to lock up a Vucevic <laughs> a Vucevic ooh, okay um a, a Zach Levine ooh whoa a DeMar DeRozan that can't hit a single three I mean oh whoa I mean this is what we have to a Kobe White and Alex Caruso and Ayo Dasunmu I mean that's the guards that the Bucks had to lock up and still struggled a little bit against they didn't sweep the the Bulls. They lost the game. They lost the game at home, right? Was that a home game they lost? They lose game two? They lose game one? Who cares? They lost the game. They lost the game. Bucks didn't sweep. Struggled. Now without Chris Middleton. Probably struggle heavily here against a better team. The Celtics didn't struggle without Chris Middleton in the final two games against the Bulls. But once again, it's the Bulls. Uh, Zach Levine didn't play the last game. What are we doing? What are we talking about? The Bucs will still be competitive, but we're going Celtics, baby. Celtics minus four and a half. I can't wait. I can't wait for the game, folks. I know we just spent 15 minutes on the game. I don't care. 15 minutes out of a 60-minute show. I don't care. They could fill up the entire 60 minutes. I don't care about the NFL draft. Well, I don't care about the NFL draft when I got playoff championship caliber basketball waiting for me. I don't give a damn about who picked up uh, uh, Malik Willis, who ruined their franchise by taking him. I don't care. I don't care. 
I care about this. I care about Bucks Celtics. Ooh, I care about this, folks. I'm bleeding green today, folks. Celtics minus four and a half. Celtics minus four and a half. Marcus Mart, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Al Horford. And don't give me no nonsense on Al Horford, folks. We know this is an OG big in a newly dominated bigs world. Y'all better show some mother love and respect and give some respect to the young guy. Robert Williams got injured at the end of the season, came back and played in the playoffs, unlike Ben Simmons. Yeah, I'm bringing that back up. Ben Simmons, what's good? Robert Williams able to overcome his injury and get back out, out on the floor. Didn't miss too much time. Didn't say, hey, I'm coming out. And didn't it come now? Yes. Robert Williams go out there and get it done defensively. This is going to be a huge moment for him. But, hey, no moments too big for our man, Robert Williams, folks. Celtics minus four and a half. Loving that. And, folks, we don't have to wait too much longer. 40 minutes to tip off. This is the 1 p.m. game. Eastern. Wow. Wow. The NBA. Yeah, they know how to make things right. No games on yesterday, so they hit us with the heat. They hit us with the fire right from the get-go. Yeah. Yeah. Celtics minus four and a half, folks. Let's go. I can't wait for the series to start. Whoa. Whoa. Man, man. We're coming back tomorrow, folks. To break down the games, and uh, this is going to be fun to talk about. This is going to be fun, folks. This is going to be a great one. We're taking the Celtics minus four and a half. Alrighty, but that's not the only NBA action on today, folks. We got a doubleheader, three thirty, right after the Bucks Celtics game. After we got uh, um, after we got our fill out of that one, after we got it all, and I'm expecting this one to be close, but we're still rocking with the Celtics minus four and a half. Still should be a good game. So after that great game one, we got a really good game two. Second game on today, tipping off at 3.30, Warriors at the Grizzlies. And man, oh man, this Warriors team is dangerous, folks. We get Steph Curry back in the starting lineup. We saw that starting lineup, folks. If Steph Curry at the one, Jordan Poole at the two, Klay Thompson at the three, Draymond at the five, and um, Andrew Wiggins at the four. And we loved it. And we think that could potentially potentially be dangerous for this Grizzlies team. I would have Steven Adams, and this is going to be interesting as well. Do we have any information on who the Grizzlies are starting today? Because I would really be interested to see if Steven Adams is going to get his minutes back. Remember, we saw Steven Adams. He played game one of the Grizzlies-Pelican series, and then that was really it. He did not get any minutes after that. So I'm interested to see if the Grizzlies are going to return Steven Adams into the starting lineup because he's not an offensive big. So that's good because Draymond Green can lock down offensive bigs so you're taking Draymond Green a little bit out of the game defensively because okay he's locking up Steven Adams okay Steven Adams isn't shooting the ball he takes what three shots a game so you're wasting Draymond Green's defensive efforts which in turn helps your team you don't have Draymond Green locking anybody up. We saw Draymond Green lock up Jokic every single game he can do that so Grizzlies, they start Steven Adams. He plays, you know, 25, 30 minutes. Draymond Green, a little uh, a little rendered useless on the defensive front. Now, he'll still get it done. He's not going to be, you know, guarding Steven Adams the entire time. You know, you can get mismatches and all that. You can, you know, screen, you know, to new players and all that. We understand that, folks. You know, they can may go zone as well. But overall, for the most part, 5v5. You got nothing to really defend with Steven Adams. So it's going to be interesting how this Grizzlies team plays it. But let's get into the let's get into the spread here in the matchup. So game one, Warriors at the Grizzlies. Grizzlies with the home court advantage in this series. For the uh, Warriors, everybody's good to go here. And for the Grizzlies, we get, oh, wow, well, all that talk about Steven Adams. The man's got COVID. Yikes. Womp, womp. So no Steven Adams today. So this is even interesting. Yeah, wow, damn. So we're going to have to wait till game two, maybe, maybe even game three to see how they play Steven Adams or if they're just not going to play him at all. Interesting. So Steven Adams out for the Grizzlies. Killian Tilly's still out. Zaire Williams is a game-time decision. 
So, usual suspects still playing for the Grizzlies. The players that played last series, heavy minutes, are still going to be there. John Morant, Desmond Bain, Dylan Brooks, all the great players that the Grizzlies used time and time again, over and over and over again, to beat the Pelicans. Now, what what is it going to come down to in the series? The three-point shooting, that's really what it's going to come down to. We saw the Grizzlies. I mean, that was really their bread and butter versus the Pelicans, their three-point shooting, and that was really the difference in the majority of the wins for the Grizzlies. Did they get hot from three? Did they get out to slow starts and all that? The Warriors, they live and die by the three as well. They don't have a great big. The Grizzlies don't really have a big, dominant... uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. is very good. Is he a dominant big? Do we classify him as that? Eh, I think it's up for discussion. So, no real great dominating bigs between any of these teams. A little bit more of outside shooters. Now, the Grizzlies are deeper than the Warriors, and that depth is going to have to show itself here if this Grizzlies team wants to come out of the series and get to the Western Conference Finals. Because we know the Warriors, Warriors with their splash triplets, they can go manic. But the Grizzlies, I mean, we see their starters, we see their bench. They get it done almost every single game. So, the Grizzlies with the bench... That's what's going to be kind of their secret weapon if they want to win the series. But, but, I'm taking the Warriors minus two here tonight. The Grizzlies, we've seen them really struggle against the Pelicans. And we love the Pelicans, folks. And I don't want this to be a knock on the Pelicans or anything like that. But the Warriors are better than the Pelicans. They're better. They're more explosive. And they can feed off that momentum way better than the Pelicans can. And if the Grizzlies fall into that kind of hype trap and aren't able to kind of match the runs that the Warriors can go on, this may be blowout, blowout wins, folks. Like we, we need to kind of be prepared for the possibility of blowout wins here for this Warriors team. So I only have to swallow two, game one. I think the Warriors can set the tone here. We saw the Grizzlies lose game one against the Pelicans, got out to a slow start, may do the same thing here in this series as they get their feet under them. I mean, once again, the Grizzlies, everybody's on them. I mean, It's an exciting time over there in Memphis, and this is still a young team. This is a young Grizzlies team, where this Warriors team, they've been around the block. Yes, Jordan Poole hasn't been around the block, but everybody else has. So Steph Curry, Klay Thompson, Draymond Green, Steve Kerr, they know what they need to do here to have success. They know how to... Settle it down, not let the moment get too big for them, and that's going to be hugely important for game one in any playoff series. First round, second round, championship game, anything like that. Warriors have big time experience, and experience, it does matter, folks. I'm kind of coming around to that narrative now. I never put big stake, big stock into, hey, you need experience in the playoffs you know you can't really make a big run your first time in the playoffs all that we hear that all the time in the NBA in the NFL really all sports and I'm kind of coming around to it this season because we saw what the Suns did and I see an experienced Chris Paul and experienced DeAndre and that are just playing so much better than what they did last season and last season they got to the finals so yeah they played pretty good so I'm kind of coming all, um, around to the experience factor, and the Warriors have a lot more experience than this Grizzlies team does. Steph Curry now in the starting lineup. All that's looking great. I'm taking the Warriors minus two here because I think the three-point shooting just is a little bit more. Well, I don't even know if I can go a little bit. I think it's a lot more consistent than the Grizzlies have. John Morant didn't have any great games, really kind of any, I don't know, any. Did he have any great games in that Pelican series? He played okay, maybe for a game, maybe for the end of the half. That was it. John Morant has not really been the huge main reason why the Grizzlies won in that first round. They're going to need him to step up at some time. Is it going to come here against the Warriors with that great defense that they have? I don't know about game one. We'll see how this game plays out and see if we have to readjust for game two. But game one, right off the rip, I'm loving the Warriors here. Give me the experience. Give me the splash triplets. Give me that Draymond Green that doesn't have to be tied up with Steven Adams for game one. Yeah, yeah. I'm taking the Warriors minus two tonight, folks. So, for the first games of round two of the NBA playoffs, we're taking the Celtics minus four and a half and the Warriors minus two tonight, folks. Loving the value here tonight. Loving the value. And I cannot wait. We are 30 minutes out, folks. 30 minutes away from from NBA playoffs second round basketball. It's exciting.
Alrighty, that is all the NBA we had to go over for today, folks. So get prepared. 30 minutes out until we can start watching, folks. Man, oh man, it's going to be great. But before we get our whole day into NBA playoffs, let's quickly run down the rest of the draft, folks. But let me talk about this before we get into the rest of the draft here, the first three rounds and talking about how the teams did. Here we go. We get this. And once again, this is not a good look for the 49ers, folks. We told you all yesterday, we just never really understood what the 49ers are even doing here. But this is a real bad time, folks. This is a bad time. Everybody should be buttoned up. Everybody should really, after the draft, maybe a week after the draft, two weeks after the draft, that's really when your entire team should be like, all right, this is what we're rocking with. We're not picking up anybody else. This is what we're rocking with. The early part of training camp, the OTAs. <clears throat> until we can truly get out on the field and narrow our uh, you know, team down to 53 and all that. There's too many loose ends here but with this 49ers team, folks. I don't know if I can give any confidence in this 49ers team heading into next season, folks. I'm really I'm having a bad feeling on this 49ers team. There's not many teams uh, that we feel like this. The Cowboys are probably the main team where we can just see nothing good about them. And this 49ers team may be number two. Definitely number three, Panthers may, may be number two, but overall, the 49ers are worrying us, folks. They've got too many loose ends. They've talked some serious talk over the first three months of the offseason, and they've got kind of a little bit of dead weight on their team. Jimmy Garoppolo, we're trading you. Oh, you're injured. Oh, teams aren't trading for you. Oh, we drafted your replacement. Oh, the fans want you out. We said we wanted you out, but we still have to have you back. They don't know what the hell is going on with Jimmy. G. That's a loose end number one that's going to play big problems um, for the rest of this offseason for the 49ers. And now we have the whole Debo Samuel saga that has truly ramped up 100% the week, two weeks leading into the draft, and he's still on the team. So Debo Samuel is still, quote, dug in on leaving the 49ers per uh, Jay Fowler of ESPN. He knows his trade request could, quote, drag out for a while, and that's the concerning part. Jimmy G's whole thing is already dragged out for like three months, folks. As soon as their season ended, Jimmy G said, hey, I already had talks. We're on the same page. I'm out of here. Jimmy G was saying that the player, the organization, we're all on the same page. He is no longer a 49er. Here we are in January, February, March, April, May. Today's May 1st, first, folks, and he's still on the team. This whole Debo Samuel thing really started maybe a, mo a month ago. Is that is that fair to say? Maybe two months ago? Month ago? Two weeks ago, ramping into the draft, everything was, hey, he's out of here. He's going to get traded at the draft. Everybody wants to trade up, all that that we never really bought into. But once again, now he even knows, Debo Samuels know that this could drag out for a while. So we're having Jimmy Garoppolo at the quarterback position. We're having Debo Samuel at the wide receiver position. The two players that really did everything offensively for the 49ers last year. The ones that you could rely on to get you to that... Uh, that, that got you to the NFC Championship game. It was all Debo Samuel, and it was all Jimmy Garoppolo, and now you are wanting them out. What does that send a message for every other player on this team? I think Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch are not doing any, any favors, really, for themselves, for this organization, for the team, and I think this is just going to get messier and messier and messier and messier and sloppier and sloppier and messier and sloppier and sloppier and messier for the rest of this offseason. When you're done with the player, you got to do it quick or now this is all festering in the locker room Jimmy Garoppolo doesn't know what's going on Trey Lance is like y'all were already telling me and now you're like oh maybe not what well, this is rubbing Trey Lance the wrong way and yeah Trey Lance isn't established so he doesn't really have a big leg to stand on but he can still have a little bit of a, a disdain for this team and maybe even Kyle Shanahan be like y'all told me I was the guy Y'all were ready to move off of him, and now he's still on the team because you can't get anything great for him? Who cares what we get out of him? Who cares what we get for him? This is supposed to be my time now. This is supposed to be my team now. And y'all are delaying me one more year? Players want to play, folks. Players don't want to sit on the bench. I don't care what they say, folks. We all know that. You want to play. You want to go out there. Even if you're bad, you still want to play. I'm sure Sam Darnold still wants a uh, starting shot, which he shouldn't get, but he may get. Who knows? Who knows? Um, 
So, I just think this is the real, real bad move for the 49ers here that I don't think plays out well at all, folks. The longer it goes, the worse it's going to get. And we've already been talking about this whole Jimmy G thing for like three, four months. This is not where the 49ers want to be. This is the end of the draft. It's all supposed to be optimism. That's all it should be. There should be no pessimism on any single team. The draft is done and over with. That is the most optimistic time for the fans, for the team, for the organization, the draft. Everything's supposed to change on the draft we get all of our guys every single piece every single thing that we need to fill here we get it through the draft after the draft it's all supposed to be all right we got it we got it hype hype up the team oh my god look at that man early kind of training camps look at how mad how, how great this rookie prospect that we drafted in the fourth round is panning out watch out for the giants watch out for the jets optimism everybody's saying the jets had the best draft which you know, okay, they got some, they got, they got players in literally every position that they needed. So yeah, I can understand why people say that. Um, but it's supposed to be optimistic. Everybody's big on the Jets. I don't know if I'm as big as everybody else is, but I'll feed into the big energy. Yeah, get excited for the Jets. This is their year. Absolutely, Zach Wilson year two, Robert Sala year two. What a home run ahead of a draft. They filled every void. Optimism. What am I being optimistic on the 49ers? The quarterback that's the only winning quarterback so far over the last few years? You want to get rid of him? Oh, okay. Okay. Well, uh, that, that, that doesn't make me optimistic. Okay. Oh, Debo Samuel, our only good healthy wide receiver for the entire year? You want uh, you want to get rid of him too? Uh, I'm, I'm supposed to be optimistic about that. Our two best players offensively last year? You just want to throw them out? Throw them in the trash? And you want me to be optimistic while I'm taking these two trash bags to the dumpster? I'm supposed to have a smile on my face lugging these lugging these heavy trash bags into the dumpster? You want me to do that with a smile and optimism? How, how can I do that? How are you asking me to do that? I can't do that. I'm, 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 I'm struggling to carry these bags. I don't want to take these bags out to the trash. These, uh, what are we doing? This is supposed to be the optimistic time of the season for everybody. Even the worst teams, the Lions. There's optimism on the Lions, even though they didn't even get a quarterback. They're still rocking with Jared Goff. I'm optimistic about the Lions. Jared Goff's going to take this step finally, finally. He's not, but optimism here, folks. So, I don't love it at all. I don't like it at all, and I don't see it playing out well at all for this 49ers team, Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch. So, they're still on the squad. Yeah, we want them gone. Oh, they're still here. We don't want to pay them. Oh, they're still here. Oh, oh, oh. This is getting bad, folks. They need to nip this in the bud now. If you want Jimmy Garoppolo to stay, then stay. Sign him to a deal, get rid of Trey Lance, and move on. If you want Jimmy Garoppolo to go, then trade him for nothing, get him off the team, and start getting Trey Lance ready to, for this to truly be his team. If you want Debo Samuel to say, then pay the man, okay? Pay the man and move on and let's start rocking with it this season. If you don't want Debo Samuel on your team anymore, then trade him for nothing. It's going to be unfortunate, but that's what you got to do because you need to move on or, or stick with these guys. These are playmaking, winning, proven, winnable talent in the league. And y'all just want to get rid of them. That's fine. We would never do that over here. But if that's the 49ers prerogative, then make it happen. Stop with this talk and then this talk and then, oh, well, we can't really do it now. Well, we're not really getting anything. Oh, but, but. I think it's hurting the team in the long run, folks. I've got no faith at all, at all in this 49ers team heading into the next season, folks. And it's going to take something big. It's going to take something real big for us to kind of rebind to this 49ers team. So... How truly unfortunate I do not understand at all what they're trying to do. So, Debo Samuel still dug in of leaving the 49ers and knows it could drag out for a while. Yeah, exactly what we want right after the draft in times, times of optimism. Your two best players still on your team and you know they're going to get rid of them. Yeah, that's real optimistic. Alrighty here, let's uh, head back into the draft here. We went about, I think we went over about, uh, we have 14 teams left, so that means 17, 16, 17, 18, 18 teams that we covered yesterday on the show of just quickly analyzing, talking through the NFL drafts rounds one, two, and three. We're not putting that much stake, that much stock into rounds four, five, six, and seven. 
a little bit of the, you know, the mystery bag, all right, you know, all the kind of now big question mark players are only left, rounds one through three, those are the kind of proven talent, if we can even call it that, the better, more exciting, potential, provenable talent there, so that's what we're really gauging, that's really where we're kind of staking our gauge on whether teams had a good draft or a bad draft so far, so we've got 14 more teams to go over, so let's pick up where we left off, and we left off on the Chargers, so here we go, Chargers day one, they go offensive linemen, and that's really all they need, we know this Chargers team offensively has it, they've got the quarterback, they've got the receivers, they've got the running back, let's show up this offensive line, and they took offensive linemen, number 17 overall, and then they went defense on the second uh, second round, taking uh, safety JT Woods. So, show up the offense, show up the defense. This team is right on the cusp of making the playoffs every single season. But that's where Justin Herbert comes in, folks. Once again, we've got this thread that we uh, are still waiting to truly dive big time into. Is Justin Herbert in the fourth quarter good? Because this, this man's stats, folks. These man's stats, there's no... No reason the Chargers should have not made the playoffs the last two years, folks. The Chargers have not made the playoffs the last two years with Justin Herbert. Why is that? The man just threw 5,000 yards last season. How the hell does that not make it to the playoffs? I don't understand. So once again, we're still a little bit of question marks on Justin Herbert. We all know just kind of the quick answer. Is Justin Herbert good? Yes, absolutely. But once again, recertification. That's kind of what we're talking about. That's a little bit of a narrative this season what quarterbacks or maybe just players in general are up for recertification we just assume they're good we all just kind of take them a little bit for granted oh they're always going to be great they're great Russell Wilson always great already won a Super Bowl got the two he's great he's great he's great but is he really he struggled a little bit these last few years is it him is it all that y'all already know where we're going with that so Justin Herbert why are you not making the playoffs? Rookie year, 66% completion percentage, 4,300 yards, 31 touchdowns, 10 interceptions. And you only go 6-9? and nine? Where's the clutch ability? Where's the win ability? Last year, 66% completion percentage, 5,000 yards. Incredible. Absolutely incredible. 38 touchdowns, 15 picks. Yeah, uh, maybe a, a tad high on the picks, but I'm not really knocking at that that much. Y'all know how we feel about the picks. We gave a green light for everybody to throw as many picks as they want this season. That is another narrative that we have kind of established already. So overall, these numbers are too good not to make the playoffs, but here we are, the Chargers not making the playoffs the last two years. So they show up the offensive line, make sure Justin Herbert is 1,000% comfortable, and then show up the defense just in case Justin Herbert has a bad game. The defense can maybe try to lock in and win the game. So, overall, Chargers are a real solid draft. They are on the cusp of being a real dominant force in the AFC, and they just shorted up in this draft. So, it's really all going to fall on Justin Herbert and a little bit of their head coach as well. We know he's a little bit of a gambler. We didn't really love it all the time. So, they're going to have to find that fine line with Justin Herbert and Brandon Staley, the head coach, of winning games. They've got to start winning games next year, folks. So, overall, Chargers, solid draft right there. Nothing that they truly needed, and they shore up everything else. All right, the Rams now next team up, and they didn't have any first-round pick here because of the Matthew Stafford trade. And then in the second round, they go offensive guard. So shore up the line a little bit, I think, in the third round, day two. We got day one, day two is that we're really talking about. So Rams, they didn't really need anything. They've got the players. OBJ, is he going to leave? Is he going to stay? That's still up in the air. But overall, Cooper Cup and uh, Sean McVay, they'll be able to overcome no OBJ if that is the case. So Rams... Yes, they had a great draft because it led to a Super Bowl win last year. So who gives a damn what the Rams did? And we saw that. You know, we saw Sean McVay. They didn't even really care. They had that all over their social media. Yeah, we don't really care about them picks. Fuck them picks. Yes, sir, absolutely. So the Rams, yeah, they're fine here. Who cares? They, they, they won the ring last year. Who cares if they don't have a good draft for five years? I'm sure they'll still be good, folks. Sean McVay's too smart for them not to be good, folks. They could they could have like set they could take a team full of seventh round picks and probably still get to the playoffs because it's mother loving Sean McVay. Let's start respecting it. 
All right, here we go. Next team up here, we got the Dolphins. And uh, like the Rams, they didn't have a first-round pick because they used it, used it for Tyreek Hill. And yeah, let's just say Tyreek Hill is their first-round first, uh, first round pick. Yeah, that's the best first-round pick in this year's draft. A proven, winnable, fastest receiver in the league. Chalking up the deuces, Tyreek Hill. So absolutely, the Dolphins had a fantastic first round. And then in the uh, day two, they go linebacker, Channing Tindall. And man, oh man, this man is looking like he can move. So we know the Dolphins' defense has been absolutely incredible the last two years. They're building that even more with the linebacker. And the offense should take care of itself because Mike McDaniels with two and Tyreek Hill and these receivers and weapons that we already have. We short up the offensive line a little bit in free agency before the draft so we're good there as well so overall we're loving the Dolphins and it was still a real great successful draft everybody wanted to move back everybody was moving back so if we didn't have a first round pick second round pick third round pick who cares we've got proven winnable talent and that's really all you're asking for that's really all you're asking for so we love the Dolphins here all right, then we got the Minnesota Vikings. First round, they went safety, Lewis seen. And yeah, the Vikings defense has been absolutely atrocious the last two years. Mike Zimmer has said that himself as well, the head coach for the Vikings. No longer now the head coach because the defense was so bad and he was defensive-minded, so uh, not great there. But the Vikings show up the defense in the first day. And then day two, the Vikings... Continue with the defense. They go cornerback. They get a guard and a linebacker. Three picks on day two. So Vikings shoring up their defense. We've already heard the new head coach for the Vikings be comfortable with Kirk Cousins rocking with him. They've got Justin Jefferson. They got Adam Thielen. They're good weapon-wise. Still got Delvin Cook, who's still a good workable Running back still, you know, would like him to kind of clutch it up a little bit more and take that next level. You know, Delvin Cook is good. He's always kind of in tier one-ish. Eh, kind of always around tier one running back level. But I want him to try and make a play for A1 tier one running back. Like that Derrick Henry. Like a Jonathan Taylor. Let's take that next step and be great. Not just good. Yes? So, Vikings... Their draft was solid, but uh, really the only thing that we're interested in is the new head coach for the Vikings, which we do like, Kevin O'Connell. So we think the offense should be good. The Vikings should be fine next season. We really think Mike Zimmer was the one holding the team back. So solid draft. Now with the new offensive-minded head coach, the Vikings will be fine next year. All right, next team up here, we got the Patriots. And on day one, round one, they go offensive guard from Chattanooga, kind of catching everybody by surprise. I think the Sean McVay referenced it. It was like, damn, we really like that one. That was a great pick. So, obviously, Bill Belichick doing his thing here, drafting a guard, trying to protect Mac Jones a little bit more. And there is still some uh, winnability on Mac Jones. Let's not all fall off of Mac Jones here. I think he had a really kind of underrated, I think it was a tad underrated. And Mac Jones, he's really kind of been getting knocked at the end of last season and I think that carried into uh, this offseason so far but Mac Jones has done some really great things and we are going to kind of get down to those things a little bit later in this offseason when time opens up in the show when we're done with the NBA season and all that we've got time to play around with once again we've got a lot of stuff to talk about here um, small quarterbacks Justin Herbert other teams all of that so we are, we are full of content folks don't worry about us over here oh what's going to happen when the NBA season's done yeah we're going right heavy into the NFL season and all these narratives that we have to get figured out before the season starts so a lot of stuff to investigate and we will investigate Mac Jones be like hey we should buy into this man a little bit more yeah we'll see what the film tells us to truly see that so Patriots day one they go offensive guard got no problem with that classic Billy B and then day two they do the unthinkable folks oh my goodness oh my goodness they go wide receiver with their second round pick wide receiver Taquan Thornton what do we got is Bill Belichick you know that's his uh kryptonite if you will drafting wide receivers none of them pan out ever ever is this man gonna be the changer right here the game changer for Bill Belichick check that puts his name best drafting head coach of all time is this gonna kick it all off he's 6-2 I like that I like that 6-2 folks y'all know we love the tall receivers here a 4-2-8-40 yeah pretty good speed as well so we'll see if Tyquan Thornton can help out Mac Jones 
We don't really know who the heck is going to be kind of calling plays for the Patriots this season. Uh, we know kind of uh, Joe Judge and um, the two fa <laughs> the two failed head coaches that uh, left the Patriots, Matt Patricia and Joe Judge, are kind of going to be running the offense a little bit more which is kind of crazy, so we'll see how good they do. I don't think very well, but we'll see if Tyquan Thornton can help out and Mac Jones can help out and if uh, Bill Belichick is truly the greatest coach of all time coaching this led team. We'll see. So they go uh, wide receiver in the second round, and then they go cornerback Marcus Jones in the third round. So short up the offense, Bill Belichick getting a new toy to work with. Patriots, I'm sure, will be fine this year. I'm still kind of behind Mac Jones, folks. I'm big. Uh, I'm not big. I am on Mac Jones. I'll call it that. Not big. Uh, I don't know if I want to classify it as small. So we'll just say we are a little on Mac Jones. And the Patriots draft so far, real solid, real solid. All right, next team up here, we got the New Orleans Saints. And in the first round, they had two picks. They go wide receiver Chris Ulave from uh, Ohio State. And then they go offensive tackle Trevor Penning from Northern Iowa. So short up that D, uh, offense round one, trying to make it as easy for Jameis Winston, a new receiver. Is this a deep threat? We still got uh, Michael Thomas, who is still looking like he's going to be a Saint this year. We get Chris Ulave only six foot. All right, all right. So, we'll see. We got uh, the new head coach for the Saints here, Dennis Allen. We don't love, but, hey, he's going off his mind. So, he's not neglecting the offense. So, that's something that we can kind of praise the Saints for because we kind of know defensive coaches like to draft defense because they coach the defense. They kind of hang their reputation a little bit on the defense. And we know uh, a little bit of... Um, can I call it this? Can I call it a little bit of a, a bigger hat, a bigger ego that these defensive coordinators kind of walk around with? I think that's okay to say, folks. So, Saints go offense day one. I think I like it a lot. And then in the second round, they get a cornerback, Alante Taylor, second round there to help out Dennis Allen a little bit defensively. So, the Saints, the year really could go either way. Is Elvin Kamara truly going to buy in and commit? We haven't really seen him do that the last two years, truly, unfortunately. Is Jameis Winston going to be good enough to lead this team? Is Dennis Allen going to be uh, a good enough head coach to lead this Saints team? We'll see how it all plays out. But overall, not too bad of a draft here. I like how they're prioritizing their offense to make sure that the offense is still moving the ball and being productive without Sean Payton at the helm. Alrighty, then we go the Giants. Alright, what did Brian Dable do to turn around this Giants team? Well, round one, they had two picks. They go edge rusher, Kayvon Thibodeau, number five overall. And then number seven overall, they go offensive tackle. So, you need an edge rusher to win in this league. Brian Dable knows this. And then they shore up that offensive line to protect Daniel Jones to truly see what he can uh, show us. Because, once again, this is Daniel Jones last year. And they're truly doubling down on that by not picking up his fifth-year option. So, they this is his last opportunity. We truly know this. And Daniel Jones may get a canvas spot here. We may do a canvas of like literally last chance do or die. And Daniel Jones, this is your last chance. And Brian Dable's trying to make it as easy as possible for you getting an Alabama offensive tackle at 7th overall. So love the first round by the Giants. Offense, defense, love it both. And then in the second day for the Giants... They pick up a wide receiver, Wondell Robinson. Their whole wide receiver room so far is a little fuzzy. They're really not sure who they're going to keep. Kadarius Toney we're hearing a lot about, but it's seeming like they're going to keep him. I hope they do. A little bit of off-field issues as well, all that. So they get another wide receiver in the second round just to make sure everything is kind of uh, good there, just in case uh, they have to get rid of like all their wide receivers if you know for some reasons. <laughs> uh, but he's only 5'8", so we'll see how that plays out for the Giants. Also with the Giants in uh, day two, they go offensive guard, show up the line even more, and then they go cornerback with their third day two pick on Cordell Flott. So short up the offensive line, gave Daniel Jones another weapon to try to be successful with. So overall, Brian Dable, I'm kind of liking the draft so far, filling the needs, and that's all we're really kind of focusing in on. We're really not sure who's going to pan out and who's not going to pan out, but Overall, for positions, I think I like what the Giants did here. So, winnable draft for Brian Dable. 
All right, uh, let's uh, finish up here with the last two. Six minutes left before the Bucks celtics game, so here we go. Next team up here is the New York Jets, who everybody said won the draft, like hands down. A lot of people are kind of saying hands down, no debate, Jets had the best draft. Okay, I can see it. I can see it, folks. I can see it. But I think the next team we're talking about had the better draft. But here we go. Jets on the first round, day one. They had three picks, and yes, they used them very well. They go cornerback Sauce Gardner, short up to defense. They go offensive wide receiver Garrett Wilson, number 10th overall. So they're having Corey Davis. And I don't understand all these wide receivers. They get Garrett Wilson. That's fine. But what's going on with Braxton Berrios? We wanted this man to really be kind of the focal point of this Jets offense come this season and uh what is he like five now is he fifth on the death chart now number one is elijah moore then we got core davis we got newly acquired draftee garrett wilson and then braxton barrios so damn damn there goes that i don't think they're going to be using braxton barrios that much but if the jets are smart there will be packages where braxton barrios is the main receiver through wide receiver screens and all that so i'm still hoping the jets are going to utilize braxton barrios very well but they, are, they, they do have like a plethora of wide receivers now. So we'll see what their plan is with Barrios. So they get cornerback, wide receiver, and then an edge rusher all in the first round. And yeah, yeah, those are kind of the three positions that we all need. I mean, we're, we're seeing what's winning championships. We need, obviously, the quarterback. You have to have a quarterback. That is never a debate. What is up for debate? Um, the edge rushers, newly kind of. That's really the single-handed reason why these teams are winning. Going back the last two years, uh, the Bucks, the Rams, they both had great edge rushers. They got Patrick Mahomes and Joe Burrow uncomfortable, and that's why the NFC's won the um, won the ring the last two years. So definitely need the edge rusher. Definitely need the corner. Lock down the opposing wide, the opposing team's wide receiver. We saw Jalen Ramsey. We saw that Bucks great defense. I mean, they had great corners, great edge rushers, great safeties all over the place. And once again, they made it so Patrick Mahomes could do absolutely nothing. Started with the edge rush, and then when the edge rusher is pressuring the quarterback, the um, the quarterback, the cornerback can jump the routes and pick the balls because the uh, quarterback is under duress. So. Edge rusher, cornerback here, wide receiver all in the first round. Very well done by the Jets. And then in the second round, they go running back Brees Hall, which I don't understand a lot. They got uh, Michael Carter. I mean, okay. But uh, Brees Hall so far is on kind of the number one spot for the Jets depth chart at the running back position. So maybe they didn't really like Michael Carter last year. I thought he had a solid season, like seven, 800 yards, 639. Not terrible, not terrible, but doesn't seem like they're too big on him if you're drafting a running back in the second round so interesting there and then they go tight end in the tight end league folks shout out to tight end university and we'll see if tight end jeremy ruckert can try to work his way into tight end university a, a solid six five Okay, we really want a little bit taller at the tight end position, but okay, we'll take 6-5. So overall, Jets, it's, it's a solid draft here. But once again, are these players going to play out, pan out well? Is Zach Wilson good? We're diving into him in this offseason as well. And is Robert Sala good? We didn't think he had the best season overall, folks. Um, Do we have this written down anywhere? We did call officially that uh, the the Jets and Robert Sala did not have a successful year one. Although, Dan Campbell and the Lions, they did have a successful year one based on the bars that we set for both those teams uh, before last season. So, Jets, they still have work to do with Robert Sala as a head coach and Zach Wilson. But overall, for the positions that they filled in this year's draft, very, very good draft. And then let's end it right here on the team that I think had the best draft, and that's the Philadelphia Eagles. Because in the first round, they shore up their defense with the defensive tackle Jordan Davis, folks. And heading into this draft, the Eagles are the most well-balanced offense-defense team and also the most well-balanced offensive team through the air and the ground. So this Eagles team was not really looking for anything. It was just shoring everything up. And did they shore everything up? So they get defensive tackle Jordan Davis in the first round, first day. Second day, second day they go center Cam Jurgens and linebacker 
N'Kobe Dean. So shoring up just some offensive line spots, the defensive spots. But the biggest thing that they walked away with, folks, is wide receiver A.J. Brown. We got A.J. Brown. We got Devontae Smith with, with Jalen Hurts getting better his first full year last year. So this is going to be his second full year to be had. And we see quarterbacks always take a step on their second full year. And then we get Nick Sirianni, who's just been an absolute home run hit for a head coach. Made it to the playoffs last year. Real good wins. We just have to fill in and fill, uh, kind of do better with Jalen Hurts' uh, red zone past the 50 interceptions. Got to start scoring and coming away with points. And the Eagles, they were knocking on the door every single possession last year, folks. It was almost every single. I'm going to say 80% of the Eagles' possessions, they were knocking on the door of scoring, like on the 40-yard line. And then for those 80% of possessions on the 40-yard line, they either scored or they you know, had a turnover with Jalen Hurts. But they were always knocking on the door. They were always able to move the ball. And that's definitely something that you can absolutely build on. So, you get another great wide receiver to be had. I don't know what the hell the Titans are doing. Got rid of Corey Davis last year. Got rid of A.J. Davis this year. A.J. Brown this year. And Ryan Tannehill is not good enough to make up for lackluster receiving talent. And now you're just putting more pressure on Derrick Henry, which I've got no pressure with. But damn, 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 y'all have been going down the drain a little bit every single season since Ryan Tannehill has showed up. AFC Championship game, and then it has gotten worse every single year after that because you keep getting rid of, rid of his offensive weapons. That doesn't help Ryan Tannehill, uh, Frank Vogel. I don't really know what you're doing over there. So don't love the Titans at all this year's draft, but the Eagles benefited immensely. And this is just a, just a team that short everything up here in this year's draft. Watch out for the Eagles. They're winning the division hands down. No debate, folks. Eagles, Eagles, Eagles. All right, so we still have a few teams left that we will try to finish up um, tomorrow on the show. But I'm loving the Eagles, folks. Eagles, Eagles, Eagles. All right, folks, we are at 101. We got to get out of here. Oh, okay, okay. This is not uh, breaking news, but the Saints are expected to make an aggressive push to sign Tyron Matthew. Man, 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 can't wait for this man to be signed somewhere because we're going to be gushing over whatever team he goes to. All right, folks, we are going to get out of here for today because we got to watch Celtics Bucks tipping off any second now. So we are out of here for today. We'll be back tomorrow, most likely at noon Eastern. Hopefully we're knocking on it. But overall, folks, we will see you tomorrow and we will finish up the draft and we will tell you all the Celtics. Are we going to be talking about and gushing over the Celtics, folks, tomorrow? I really sure hope so. So we're out of here. Go Celtics. And we'll see you tomorrow, folks. Have an absolute great one. We'll see.